Hello, welcome to the Preacher Dad Podcast. My name is Jared and I am the Preacher Dad. I blog over at PreacherDad.com where you can find biblical perspectives on everything from parenting to politics. Uh, The library there is growing all the time, (laughs) but uh, we'd love to have you go over there and check us out and find out a little bit more about what we do. Uh, At PreacherDad.com, we're trying to inspire and equip Christians in the West, in Western civilization, in our culture to go out there and and make a difference, to engage in the culture war, and to uh, proclaim the truth and advance the kingdom of God. So that's what we're really seeking to do here, and I hope that you, I'm glad that you're here listening in and trying to be a part of that. Today we're going to get back to um, uh, our study in Genesis, uh, the foundational series that we've been going through here in the book of Genesis, so I'm going to share that with you today. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18, and we're going to read down to 25. It says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The King James says, A help meet for him. So if you're reading King James, you'll read it that way. Verse 19, Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall cleave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, here in the beginning, we see that the God says it's not good for man to be alone. Apparently, God hates singleness. Boom, boom. <laughs> Just kidding. He doesn't hate singleness, but God recognized that in order for things to continue, the man needed a companion. He needed a helper. The first thing that's happening here in this passage of Scripture is that there is work. The work is the underlying significance. When it says it is not good that man should be alone, it's when it says alone, it's meaning separation. It means by itself. It means a branch of a tree. It means part of the whole. It's not the entire tree. It's just a branch. The branch is alone. And that's what that Hebrew word means. And so when God says it's not good for him to be by himself, to be separated, to be alone. I want you to notice here the progression. First of all, man is alone. Then he needs to find a helper. Then he names all the animals. No helper is found. 
So then he has to go to sleep. God makes a woman. God presents the woman and performs the wedding. Now, why didn't God just put Adam to sleep first? Why did he go through the process of naming the animals and simultaneously looking for a suitable helper? Well, it's because it was for Adam's benefit. It was to help Adam to grow. He wasn't just going to do one thing at a time. God is wanting Adam to grow. He, he In that process of naming all the animals, Adam learned, I would expect him to learn, that he was unique in all of creation, that there was no one else like him. And mankind is unique. But God had to help Adam to see it. And so he did. That's why he went through the process of naming all the animals. It was for Adam's benefit, and it was also to accomplish a significant work. God needed the animals to be named, and it was a significant and important thing for Adam to do, and he needed it done. God doesn't just waste his time. He uses Adam's time of singleness for the good of the kingdom. He, he was able to do two things at one time. He was accomplishing the task of naming the animals and also looking for a helper that was suitable to Adam. Uh, he only named the livestock, birds, the beasts of the field. He only named their kind. So, to you know, some people think that this would have taken forever. Uh, it really, it, he had plenty of time to do it. It, w- it would have been easy to do it in less than a day because Adam was only naming the kinds, or in, in today's classification, we would say a proto-species. He had plenty of time to do that, especially because he wasn't naming fish. He was only naming the livestock and the beasts of the field and the birds, and he was only naming them based on their kind. So he wouldn't name, you know, well, this, let's see, what this, what does this thing look like? It's a, it's a yippy little annoying thing. It yips at me a lot, and it's kind of almost like an overgrown rat. It's, I'm going to call it a chihuahua. This is a chihuahua. And then he comes and he says, oh, well, this one is uh, sort of uh, loving and, and sweet and tender, um, uh, very affectionate, but quite large. I'm going to call this one a, um, a Great Dane. This is a Great Dane. He didn't name every single dog breed. He just said, okay, this one, this is a dog. This one, this is a cat. These over here, these are cows. He didn't name Longhorn. He didn't name, you know, every different alliteration of, of bovine. He just said what kind it was. And if you do that, you have about 2,500 kinds in the animal kingdom. And you could name 2,500 kinds in less than four hours. So it really wasn't that hard for him to accomplish this significant work. Not as hard as many people think. So it's important for us to notice this as we're working through Genesis, that it was absolutely reasonable and possible for him to have named all the kinds. And after they all came, then he finds, no, there's not a significant, there's not a helper that's suitable to me. But you see, Adam had a job, and that was to have dominion over creation. That was his assigned task. And in the process of pursuing that purpose, God was working. God was at work. 
God is doing more than one thing at a time, and I think it's important for us to remember that, especially if we're waiting on God to accomplish something for us on our behalf. God can do more than one thing. What's the lesson here? The lesson is that God will do wonderful things if we will pursue His purpose for us. God has things that He has laid out before us in our path that we should pursue, and if we pursue those things, God does wonderful things on our behalf, and things, be, uh, things are happening even in the background that we can't understand or see. That was the work, the underlying significance, but then there's something else happening here, and that is a woman. What about the woman? The woman is a unique counterpart. She's a unique counterpart. In Hebrew, the word for help, when it says we'll find a help, meet for him or, or suitable to him, help meet is not, is not the, the correct title here. <laughs> it's help, meet for him, suitable to him. So the Hebrew word for help, it means aid. It from, it's from a root word that means to surround. It's used 21 times in the Old Testament, and almost every time this Hebrew word, azir, is used as a description of the help that God gives to us. It's, it's practically a name of God. He is our help. He is the help. You can look at Deuteronomy 33, 29, or Deuteronomy 33, verse 20. You can also look at Psalm 70, verse 5, if you want to see examples of that. But it's basically almost a name of God, and it's almost always used to describe the help that He gives to us. And so it's incredibly significant that it would also be applied to the first woman. The first woman is described as a help. We need to find a help for Adam, a, a helper suitable to him. There are certain things that the dog couldn't do, certain things that the rhinoceros was not capable of, that we, we, we got a, a very nice uh, uh, speckled bunting, <laughs> we have a very, very wonderful ostrich over here, but that ostrich is just not a suitable helper for Adam. And what happens when we use this incredibly powerful word, help? It clearly defines the woman's role in the family. She's not the leader, she's the helper. She's not the one in charge, the boss, she's helping the boss. She's, she's the help to the leader. Now, that does not mean in any way that she is inferior or less important than the man. The Bible says that he created them male and female in his image. Men and women are both created in the image of God. And the woman is not less significant just because she was made second. Just ask, ask any secondborn or thirdborn whether or not they're less important than the firstborn. They are not. Just because she came after Adam doesn't make her inferior to him. It just means that her role was the help. She's not inferior, she's just different. There's a difference, there's a big difference between men and women. And we need to recognize that their roles within the family are also significantly different from one another. It doesn't make them less important, just different. You have to have a leader but that leader also needs a help. It's not good for him to be on his own, to be alone, to be separate, to not have a counterpart. God said it was not good for that man to be without a helper. 
and so he made a helper suitable to him. When that word that's translated in the King James, meet for him or suitable for him, fit for him, it's the word neked, neged, and it means a front, that is, the part opposite, specifically a counterpart. She's a counterpart. What God is basically saying is that I will bring him a helper that is his counterpart. We will meet many people in our lives, but not very many of them could be called counterparts. The, the accentuator, the, the completer of me is my wife. The, the, in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam needed a counterpart, and God created a very unique, special counterpart in his life and in his relationships. Now, single people are much better off to trust God to bring a counterpart along. It would be pretty hard to select a counterpart by yourself. You don't want to get caught up in looking for that counterpart. Not that you can't look at all, not that you can't, you know, seek after a mate, but you need to trust God's timing in the midst of it all, because he's much better at selecting our counterpart than we are. Now, this woman was unique in all creation. She was completely unique in all of creation. How was she she unique, preacher dad? Uh, Everything else God made was made from dirt. He created man out of the dust of the earth. He created all the beasts of the field out of the ground. They were all created out of the earth, but woman alone was created out of a man. God took one of his ribs. He didn't just take another, a new fresh pile of dirt. He took a piece of the man out of him, put him to sleep, took his rib out, and made the rib into a woman. Says it very clearly and specifically. Woman is made from the man, and that is entirely unique in all of creation. It also clearly, again, defines their roles. He is the leader. She is the helper. And both parts are equally important. Clearly teaches us this in this story. Now, do you Do you notice and see how this pattern is under attack in our society? This principle is completely um, maligned and torn down by many in our our nation and in in Western civilization as a whole. Hello, Canada. I know you're up there, eh? (laughs) Uh, You know, England, God bless you. God save the Queen. All right, over in England, uh, you're part of Western civilization as well. And... um, the clearly defined roles of a man and a woman in the marriage are under attack. The man is the leader. There's just no other way to say it. He is the leader, and the woman is created to be his help. That doesn't make her less than him. It just means her role is different. But men and women together are a picture of the wholeness of Christ. Even Jesus Christ has a bride. 
it, this is a, the, the uniting of men and women in marriage is a picture of the uniting of Christ and his church. It is a picture of the oneness that we are supposed to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is very important. Men and women together are a picture of that wholeness. Masculine and feminine need each other. One without the other destroys the picture. If you only have femininity without masculinity, you have an emptiness, you have a a, a missing piece. If you only have masculinity without femininity, you're missing the wholeness of Christ, the, the, the completeness of the image of God, because male and female were created in his image. So this picture of the wholeness of Christ requires both men and women. That is very powerful and very important for us to note as we look at this passage of Scripture. And, and this, these, these roles, these gender roles are completely under attack. Now that doesn't mean that a girl that likes to play ball or that likes to skin her knees up and climb trees and all these different things is supposed to be a boy, or that a boy who enjoys poetry or is uh, more sensitive in his soul, uh, maybe he likes to play house. That doesn't mean he's not masculine or that he's supposed to be a girl. It just means that he is focusing on a different aspect of masculinity. It means that the young lady is focusing on a different aspect of femininity. Feminine doesn't mean that you don't have adventures and you don't have exciting things happen or that you don't, you know, get active and physical and, and, and rowdy sometimes, that's still part of femininity. So these, But these gender roles are being attacked, and they are being flipped upside down even more so than years ago when I first was studying this passage of Scripture. Today, we are just completely confused about what genders are supposed to be, and God clearly gives us a picture of that in this first marriage. But not only do we have work, not only do we have the woman, let's focus on the wedding, the uniting ceremony. God unites these two parts into one. That is the definition of marriage. God uniting one man and one woman into a physical and spiritual oneness that is not ever meant to be broken. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 19, talking about uh, that what God has put has joined together, let no man put asunder. We say that in many, many times in marriages today. What God has brought together, let not man separate. The definition of marriage is not something that is a societal construct, as many people want to say. Oh, that's just because we've always done it as one man and one woman. It actually can be anything we want it to be. No, God defined marriage. He defined marriage as one man and one woman, and he never intended for them to be separated. To those of us who are married, the lesson here is that you should determine that you will never break this union, no matter what. No matter what happens, no matter what happens, you should determine now, I will never break this union. Now, that doesn't mean that we should expect women who are battered and beaten up to have to live with their spouse. They can leave. They can run away. 
They can grab the children and leave in the dead of night. They can, you know, give him some chloroform so he doesn't wake up. Give him a sleeping pill. Get out of Dodge. Get yourself safe. We're not at all, I'm not at all suggesting that a woman should have to stay in an abusive situation. What I am saying is that she shouldn't file for divorce unless it's necessary to protect the children. Legally, you might have to file for divorce, but in God's eyes, oh no, that marriage is not dissolved. I think that we need to realize that marriage is permanent. It's lifelong. And we shouldn't be seeking to, to, to split those things up. Now, I mean, maybe you did. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe that, that is part of your past. And that's okay. It's not like it's an unforgivable sin. We just need to recognize it for what it is. And, you know, just whoever you're married to now, let, let's just decide, I am not leaving no matter what. I'm not getting divorced. I'm going to stick with this person. And to those who are single, this lesson is that we should decide right now that if God brings you a counterpart, that you will never abandon that union. You make a vow to God, a vow to God to stay united. That is very important. And if you're single and, or you're not married, you need to uh, determine now that you are going to never abandon that union if God brings you a counterpart. It's a holy and awesome thing to be married. It should not be taken lightly. There are certain sacraments. I mean, would we take communion lightly? Would we take baptism lightly? No, no. If we're believers, we communion is special, precious, and holy. Baptism is... There's an entire denomination called Baptists because baptism is so important. It's a special, holy sacrament. Marriage also is a holy sacrament representing and portraying to us a spiritual reality of the uniting of Christ and His church. It is special and holy, and we should take it seriously, not lightly. It's a picture of our oneness with Christ. And then here in the last verse, it says, Therefore, should a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife. Maybe that's not the last verse. Um, that's, the, that's verse 24. Last verse is about being naked. <laughs> but verse 24 says that, uh, uh, therefore, that tells us that the last part was significant. Right there, look at it, look at it again. The man said, this is, this is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, so that's telling us that what he just said about her significance that she was taken out of man, that's important. So because she was taken out of man, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or cleave to his wife. Leave and cleave. Why? Because his wife is his most perfect companion, more perfect helper than a mother is a wife, a more perfect help than a father is a wife. He finds his most perfect companion in his wife. He's found his counterpart, his best helper. He should not be dependent upon his father and mother any longer. Instead, look to the God-provided helper 
he now dwells with as his primary source of strength, of companionship, of partnership. That's the specialness of marriage. And I think that the same thing could be said uh, about the woman, that she should also cleave unto her husband, that she should not depend upon her father anymore for his protection and his, his counsel or his strength. She should look to her husband. Every woman should look to her own husband for her most special uh, companionship, for her leadership. She shouldn't seek to be led by anyone else. Her pastor, her boss, if she works outside the home, or, or I mean, if she works in a job that's, um, you know, a regular, a normal job, you have a boss, he's not truly her leader. Her leader is her husband, and she is his help suitable unto him. So that's the, that's the lesson. That's the, the first marriage. This passage, this, just, just a few verses, gives us incredible insight about the nature of women and what they were designed to do, the function, the role they were designed to have within the home. It tells us about the first marriage. It tells us about how to think about marriage and especially how to pursue God's purpose, even if we're still single, to continue pursuing continue pursuing the, the work that God has before us and trust His timing to bring along your counterpart. So, folks, we can trust in the Lord to lead us in these areas, and we need to recognize the significance of marriage and value it and honor it highly. I hope that anyone listening to me will think about how important marriage is, and look at this first marriage to give us the example. Well, thank you so much, folks. Hope you have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to the Preacher Dad podcast. Once again, please check out PreacherDad.com and uh, um, stay tuned for more. There should be some fun and exciting things coming up later this year uh, here on the Preacher Dad podcast, and I hope that you'll stay tuned to learn more. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.